welcome to the show brain health unchaining your pain and i am really excited to have my friend and really a mentor for me in my life's journey as a high performance coach natasha on the show welcome natasha thank you very much for having me it's uh, it's an honor to be invited and to be here to to talk about something that is so vitally important for us all so thank you Oh, no, you're most welcome. And just to introduce Natasha, for those that don't know her, she's the founder and managing partner of the international coaching and consulting firm NM Consulting. She's an accomplished transformation coach and consultant and guides high-performing senior executives, C-suite and entrepreneurial specialists and professionals. And she really helps guide her clients to higher outcomes in their role model leadership, sustained high performance and a congruent professional personal branding. Wow, and that is so important um, in today's world, particularly uh, with the advent of of social media and the importance of presenting ourselves in a way that's really authentic for us. Absolutely, yeah. And, you know, just moving on to this type of platform, you know, two years ago, everyone was if they weren't using zoom or skype and with recordings and cameras on they sure were um, after march 2020 so yeah there's been a huge amount of um of thinking and procrastination around does working from home mean that we just show up really casually or very unprepared as we would probably have called it um, inappropriate sometimes for how we would show up in an office environment or or with others anyway in a in a, in a building um, so yeah it's been a big topic and it's actually been a passion of mine my whole life and um, because I think how we show up has such a huge impact on how people perceive us and we do, you know, we've all heard about, you know, whether it's seven seconds, three seconds, 0.5 of a second to make an impression. Um, the impression is actually a judgment. And we might not like it, but ultimately, that's what we're all hardwired to do. And it goes back to, you know, probably almost prehistoric times um, where we would be looking for weapons and we're kind of scanning people from yeah. here to so uh, yeah, big passion for mine is how we package ourselves, how we behave, how we communicate. So yeah, I think it's I think that's a really great uh, point to say that you know we're programmed in to judge people, and and you know it's really ultimately boils down to is this a friend or a foe? Do we need to put our guard up, or or can we feel safe in their presence? And you know we're having to adapt ourselves to this new environment which is online and present ourselves in a way that we are you know display ourselves in a way that is making us uh, a friend or not so i think it's really important that we take that time to think about it in the context of this new social media and and platforms that we're being exposed to so i know you mentioned you're really passionate about it was it you're really passionate about going forward in the in the context of brain health um i think it's really just it comes down to growing people it's about sharing very much like just being here today sharing my story you know i i've had experiences in my life that have 
um, spurned me to make different choices, to research new ways of doing things, to learn new skills, to um, be mentored by amazing people, to ask for help. Um, all of those things and many more um, have led me to a place where as I've got older, I feel younger every year. I'm growing myself younger. I, um, I'm in a profession, it's a second career, if you like. So I've reinvented my career path. I've become an expert in that field. Um, and for me, just it's all about actually sharing all of that. Um, that's where my joy and passion comes from, is seeing other people get fast-tracked by the knowledge and the experience that I have and what I've learned. So, yeah. Yeah, and I think it's so important that we do share because so often we we feel that our story doesn't matter, but it really does matter to, to so many people because and that's how we learn. We, we, we learn through hearing other people's stories and we like to hear, hear them, you know, in the context of finding something that's relatable to our journey so that other people might be able to grow Absolutely. based on our experience. Absolutely. So I'd love to explore your journey. But before we do, um, what does optimal brain health mean for you personally in the context of your life's journey so far? Yeah, um, if you'd asked me this uh, 18, 15 years ago, um, you'd have got a really different answer. And I actually now, because I've kind of become a new version of myself, I can't even begin to guess what I would have said, but it would have been fairly, it would have been fairly shallow in its response. Um, and now what it means is reflective of my journey. Um, and it's that every day, um, top of mind, I'm thinking about, and it's the thinking piece that starts it off, is, you know, I'm thinking four ways. I'm thinking about my mental health, like where am I in my head? Um, where am I physically in my body? Where am I emotionally? You know, is there something niggling at me? Is there something in me that's less than resourceful or positive? And I also massively, balancedly think about my spirituality and my connection to something huger than me and the thing that powers me every day and make sure that I, you know, that is very much part of my everyday life. It helps me, it helps me help others, and it helps others again when sharing stories. So yeah, uh, for me, it's it's really about the thinking you know really getting yeah. um really getting tuned in with how you're talking to yourself um what pops into your mind and actually being much more self-aware around what those things might be and then rather than just taking it as read that those things are normal actually questioning or resetting them in some way on purpose um Physically, um, it's about energy. Uh, energy powers my my every day. I I worship energy. <laughs> I'm obsessed with energy and having loads of it. And um, you know, I'm I'm not I'm not proud to say that I'm I'll be sixty next year. And when I said that I'm growing myself younger every year, 
I really mean that. It's not, you know, a strap line. <laughs> it's not my marketing. It's actually my life. And I'm really, I talk about that with a lot of self-pride because yeah. in a lot of work yeah. um, and a lot of changes. So physically, that's that piece. Um, um, and that brings me, I guess, to emotionally. Um, and yeah, and just really thinking about, I, I love a quote that I read many, many years ago by uh, Maya Angelou, the poet, and it's well quoted and it's repeated everywhere, which is great, but I actually live by it. And it really struck a chord with me when I read it. And it's something along the lines of people forget what you, what you say, like verbatim, you can sit in full presence and listen to someone and you will not remember word for word what people said. You'll also probably forget things that they did, um, you know, whether they sat or stood or walked or, you know, what, whatever they did, picked something up. But the thing you always remember, she says, is how they made you feel. And yeah. for me, when I heard that, it was like, that's it. That's what I believe. That's that's who who I am. That's what charges me. So um, so everything I can safely say, my intentions are usually driven by how can I either influence a positive change in someone else by showing up, by taking charge and control of how I show up. And, and more importantly, when I leave, even if it's in a fleeting moment, a, a bus stop or, a, you know, a grocery store or whatever, that I've, I've left them feeling good about me, that they feel good that they met me, that something I said resonated or just made them smile and feel better than they did before we interacted. Um, so for me, those, those pillars um, are my guiding light every day yeah. you know i really love that because obviously you've drew upon the the four quadrants of well-being which which i always talk about with my clients is looking at your emotional well-being your physical well-being your mental well-being and your spiritual well-being and you touched on all of those and i love that also, also that you mentioned the importance of energy and the energy that we bring into yeah. the room is the energy footprint that we leave behind uh, and that's really the only, you know, the only footprint we ought to be leaving uh, with people. And it's focusing on the fact that it is a positive footprint that we've left in their lives. And, and Rex Miller, he is a guest on the show. He also talks about the importance of, of energy in the context of brain health and really it being a, a, fun, a fundamental. And we know like many people talk about well-being or health, but they often miss one of those four quadrants. Mm -hmm. And they don't tap into all four. They either miss the emotional piece and they don't spend the time really truly connecting with the emotions that they personally hold inside that they're obviously exhibiting outwardly to yeah. other people. And they, don't, they, they focus on what they want to be displaying, but they don't spend the time focusing on what they're actually feeling. Yeah. And, yeah. and how we are feeling drives our thoughts and it drives our behaviors not how we want to feel we can help but as long as we've got our cognitive brain connected our prefrontal cortex we can decide how we want to feel but if we haven't got it connected we'll be driven by our older reptilian brain which is 
our emotional centers in our brain and then often other people people don't think about their spiritual well-being as their connection to what they're passionate about and what they have find purpose and meaning in their lives and I, I love that you've drawn on on all four of those quadrants and I'd love to dive in into those quadrants if if you will in in the yeah. context of your life's journey because I know you mentioned earlier that you know if I talked talked about brain health 15 years ago it would have been very different for me so <laughs> so what was what's been that shift in that 15 15 year period or, or go back longer if you if you will yeah um I think actually it it began I think it was around 18 18 years ago where um you know you would have looked at my life and with the exception of perhaps a divorce which um happened 10 years just literally one month shy of 10 years of marriage but three very young children and um if you know a really huge challenge a very uh, uncomfortable you know threatening kind of time in my life and um you know with the exception of that major kind of colossal blip my life looked and people would often say this it's like oh it's okay for you you know you've got it you've got it made kind of thing you know you've got you've got a great job you're doing really well you always look lovely uh, you've got nice house your children are sweet and you know well behaved and um you have nice friends you get to travel you know all these amazing things that judgments yeah literally <laughs> just labels for things that yeah. people see and and that judgment goes on and we i think it's something that everyone listening to this will absolutely agree with because um we see it in life all the time all day long you will be around people making what you know might sound better by but you know a uh, a subtle assumption yeah <laughs> i think assumption comes in but ultimately it's all landing in that place of judgment it's like yeah what? and i think you know key to this is a, a person's perception of your life is never your reality it's never your reality and they're never going to know your reality unless they actually truly deeply connect with you at an emotional level Absolutely. And, and start to care about what your reality is across those four quadrants emotional physical mental and spiritual agreed agreed and it, you know the very best friends in the world are often not able to do that for you so mm. we all travel through life some of us lucky to have good friends and to share values and um, passions and beliefs and our work with each other and and I feel massively blessed in that regard but you know I when I look back to kind of 18 years ago I was turning I was turning 40 um soon after that I actually met Chris my husband and we remarried uh, I remarried but my kids were really young they were under five Jasper had wow. just five um and um i let's think of the series of events that took place um turn 40 felt really good about turning 40 had no like oh god you know i'm getting old sort of thing didn't really think about it in that way because energy had always been top of my list um uh -huh. 
you know, that really was a driver. And I was always, I always was the person that had the highest energy. So people were uh, motivated by having me around. So teams at work, you know, the people in my teams always were uplifted by me coming into meetings and kind of driving conversations, those kind of things, which I think many people will will kind of relate to um, the people with high energy, the people that are still going a bit like the Duracell battery, you know, it's like, <laughs> like the mad monkey or the little brother at the end of the day. I was still going and still, you know, had time and energy to meet with friends or socialize and so on. Um, but ultimately, uh, spirit, my, spirit, my spirituality, my my conscious and purposeful thinking about how I was thinking was pretty pretty focused on what great looked like at work, mm -hmm. uh, forming in my job, um, being a good mum, mm -hmm. uh, what that meant with the very young family. Um, yeah, it was really sort of driven into these big chunks of what you think is important, right? And how were you emotionally? And emotionally, I was happy. I thought uh -huh. I was happy. I was, I was happy. I was happy. I was happy looking back in my ignorance of everything that was at my disposal that I couldn't see or, or know was missing. And that's a really big part of not, you know, anybody listening please don't listen to my story and think, oh, I need to know more now. It's like we all, our journey is all about really discovering that we don't know what we don't know. That, that's mm. been my big, like a big piece for me is owning that, like being really happy to admit that I don't know what I don't know. And the older and the more I know, the more I realise. The wiser, the wiser, because you can go down. Yeah, there's just more and more and more that I don't know. And <laughs> rather than getting depressed about that or think, well, that's a waste of time, you know, self-growth and all of these things. It's like, because you'll never know everything. It's like, that's right. However many billion on the planet, there's not one person that knows it all. And I think that should bring huge comfort to people. Um so yeah, really, that was a big discovery, but that came kind of later. Really, my life looked, you know, I hate the word perfect, but it did look in many ways perfect to people making those judgments. And how did it feel to you? Because you talk about people judging it as perfect, but what so, was it for you personally? Great question. So it felt really hard. Okay. Um, I was... Um, so to explain, it took a year before my two senior designers discovered that I'd even been divorced and we worked really closely together. Wow. I was like so shocked. And I remember taking them to lunch and saying, guys, it's not because I didn't want to share because we shared a lot together. Um, but it was my way of dealing with two very separate parts of my life being life well, my personal emotion, uh, my personal energy, um, and and just being able to perform. So mm -hmm. ultimately, survival during mm -hmm. that period. Um, Did you, do you think, so I'd love to go dive into this, because I think this is a really important point, is 
people who are in senior executive roles, which I think you were at the time, is that correct? Yes, I was. Yeah. Often use activity, particularly business, to avoid the difficult conversations with themselves at a personal level. So, so their, their avoidance factor is do more work, you know, perform better and it yeah. will go away kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. So they're focusing on the physical well-being as an escape from their emotional turmoil they're yes. experiencing at a personal level that maybe is too painful to actually dive into and address. So their solution is flight. Yes. Uh, and they flight through work. Absolutely. Is that what you found happening to you? Yes, and it's what I find happening to many um, as I go about the world doing what I do. But absolutely, I I did an amazing job at directing my movie. And um, basically, I was the starring, I was the lead female in it. And yeah, I, I, I produced this amazing feature film of my life um, and all the time unbeknown to me um, it, my insides that you can't see all my organs and my my central nervous system my um, literally my hormone balance my ability to deal with stress which was at a very high level all the time but actually not in my conscious awareness, it, you know, just literally everything's all right. I was doing in my own life what other people do to to come to those conclusions that it's all right for you kind of thing. It was like, yeah. hey, Natasha, sit down. Let me just talk to you. You've still got your job. You, it's a great job. You're doing really well. Um, you know, I remember being so proud that my team made bonus every year like even in the toughest times in retail um we we still grew or we maintained market share and i i that's part of what i would have said back then so it's interesting as you sort of talk about things things come out but i would have said how proud i was if you'd yeah. said what are you proud about at the moment or what are you passionate about or whatever it'd be that my team make bonus every year and that I'm able to look after them and they they hang around. I have the less attrition in my team and I grow people and so on. And that's all so, about your team. So all of that conversation you just replayed was about your team. That's it. Uh, and very little of it was about you personally. And did, that's did, did you fit we did you put the oxygen mask on first or were you putting it on your team? I was putting it on the team and on my children um, oh. and on everybody around me. Um, and yeah, and you know, superwoman doesn't need oxygen masks, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm great because I've got a lot of energy. So I kept telling myself things that to be fair, kept me going for a long time. Um, they, they, they were fairly good strategies, but there was a, a horrible awakening and it really happened probably about nine or ten years later um, where I actually hit the roadblock. The roadblock that many hit well after 
huge events have taken place in your life. Yeah. It's not an immediate kind of disaster zone health-wise or um, mentally wise, but it can take a good long time because we are actually hugely resilient um, and most of us can overcome modern day challenges like divorce or moving house or changing jobs and so on. But I had I had the, the divorce and then shortly after that, I, I was given a compromise agreement from the company that I've been at for 12 years. And um, and it was it was nothing to do, literally nothing to do with my performance. It was that the company was actually completely restructuring in a whole different way about how we would deliver clothing uh, to the client, which was Marks and Spencers. And it was a big overhaul of like structure and uh, direct buying and all sorts of things, which was completely different to how we were set up. But what did I do? I took it personally because <laughs> it was all about me, right? Um, and that's again, you know, you look back, I look back uh, on on all of that and I it just makes me smile now. I look back with massive fondness of who I was back then. Um, but blimey, did I make it difficult for myself. You know? And ultimately, it's because you didn't put your oxygen mask on. So there was no oxygen to breathe for you to protect yourself and, you know, and go, <gasps> you went, <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Hold your breath and keep holding your breath. And this was also, um, it was a few years after divorce, as I say, but I had then in between that been keeping a really big job going and a big responsibility at home. I had um, a daily nanny. I had to live in au pair. You know, I still had to do some travel like the pressure, just talking about that, how I, I look back and it it's kind of like, how did I do that? And yeah. and obviously I did it, but it, it came with a really big cost. Um, so I hadn't dealt with my emotional issues around divorce and the trauma that that year had brought. I did actually get a huge flew at the end of that year where I was in bed for three three weeks with respiratory issues and you know all the traditional influenza uh, symptoms and it really knocked me over physically but that's all it that I saw of it like manifesting from a health externally and then um so I got over that eventually but it took you know, it took a month of being super ill and then probably three or four months before I really felt like my energy was kind of back where I would expect it to be. Um, and then, like I say, we'll fast forward. So job continued, kids carried on growing, doing well, remarried um, and literally hit wall. Like I say, I was on a trip. I was working for a large marketing company at that point, and I was on a trip to Thailand and mm -hmm. Vietnam on a sourcing trip. And just before just before I left, um, I discovered we came back from dinner one evening, and I in my bathroom there's a big long mirror. Really, not a good idea in bathrooms where you get. <laughs> Um, <laughs> a long mirror and I took my top off as you do and as I did this I noticed around my middle just over my ribs 
from the front to the to the spine at the back like a whole yeah. ring this horrific rash and I looked at it and I don't know why but I identified it immediately and it was shingles so yeah. I it shingles and um well fast track because that was an awful period and I obviously went to the doctor and they gave me some antivirals to take immediately which allegedly help with the long-term effects um but sat in the chair and <laughs> got told I have a lot of experience of this with uh, the medical profession, but, you know, the post-hypnotic suggestion that um, given that it's shingles and that it's really, really serious and it's your central nervous system, you should expect, you know, you are likely to have nerve damage for the rest of your life. And as you get older, it will get worse. <laughs> and I remember sitting there thinking, I'm not liking the sound of that suggestion. Um, and I'm I'm not going that route. Was it in my head? Yeah. So even then, and I can absolutely pinpoint that now. I would say that was actually a terrible moment and a dreadful place to be to get that clarity around actually taking responsibility for what you're thinking and actually getting clear on what you want to think. But I would say that happened two or three times with not only the shingles but I was then diagnosed with executive burnout wow. um I I so I'm going to tell you something that others will I'm sure resonate with in corporate world what did I do this it was probably two weeks later I went on my trip <laughs> so I went on my business trip because the rash had you know gone away pretty much um I, it didn't stay for long the rash I just had a couple of little kind of spotty things um but I had convinced myself that I was absolutely better um and able to go on the trip because it was really important um so I went on the trip and you know whilst I was there I then extended the trip to have some holiday time which was the best thing that I'd thought of for a bit um and and then it started dawning on me because I started then looking up what was going on in my body and so on. Yeah. And I realized that it wasn't just the shingles was just a bonus. <laughs> I had for long like burnout and um, all the things. Ten years and, worth of stress stacked. That's it. That's it. And then to boot and then to boot because things often come in threes, right? Ruth, um, <laughs> I then discovered, I came back and it was probably several months later, but I started having loads of extra un undesirable symptoms around my digestion. I wasn't sleeping. I, I oh gosh, um, the odd headache, which I hadn't had since I was a child, um, yeah. you know, all sorts of like just un really unpleasant things that I was living with every day. And I, I just started to feel like I didn't recognize my own body anymore. It was like, yeah. who am I turning into? What is yeah. going on? Because it sounds like your body was shutting down because your mind wasn't listening. That's it. That's it. And so your body was shouting, e -e 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 -e. stop, stop, stop. I'm having a breakdown. That's it. You know, physically, because mentally, 
you weren't listening to that breakdown that was happening and so it had to express itself physically so the piece de resistance you're right was that i then actually went into a forced my body went into a forced early menopause wow um full on and um by then it was really it was really difficult to actually uncover what was shingles related what was burnout related stress burnout related and what was menopause related because actually my body was sending so many signals symptoms that you kind of lose track of well where do you even begin right and that was that was the turning point is where do we begin because I did do you know what what I would have always done back then and I sought medical advice and what do I do and what do I but you know again the the response around menopause was to do one blood test on one particular day that was random it was the day that I went to the hospital to have the blood test at one particular time of the day which if you have it in the afternoon could have given a completely different result hormone levels and on that one reading um the the doctor when I went back and she had the results said you know yeah um it's not conclusive but it looks it looks like this is happening and um therefore your the route that we can take is x and y and of course one of them was prescription drugs for synthetic hormones um and and I would again I sat in the chair and I was like no don't really fancy doing that I'm very young and and I think I've got this something in my body was saying I've got this it's so you know don't go down that route it's always available to you if you choose to change your mind but it I've got this so this started um I did have a bone density scan because I thought that was um a wise thing to do because it had previously been going on for a while there were other things that had been taking place but I had the bone density scan bones were absolutely fine really in good shape so it's like okay so if I'm not worried about that um I need to figure out what I need to do to get my 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 body back my body that works in a particular way yeah and I just want to interject as it sounds as if and I you know it sounds as if your hpa axis your hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis which is responsible for managing your stress response and your cortisol flow and your hormonal regulation was was working on overdrive because of the stress that you'd stacked you know emotional stress that you'd stacked over a period of time uh, and your system had got out of balance because it was burnt out that's it. And probably, I don't know if you had your adrenal glands, your levels checked, but it, maybe they were out of whack as well. Flat out, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, this is top. it's reversible through appropriate intervention that doesn't necessarily require drugs. It's lifestyle intervention because your lifestyle caused it. So a change to your lifestyle has the potential to fix it. And that's often, you know, drugs are often a good in between to get your system back but ultimately it's your system that has to do the fighting yeah absolutely (laughs) and take back control yeah completely right and that's exactly where I went um I 
I literally, I, I think from all the books and everything that I read and studied for myself, I should probably have two PhDs um, <laughs> because it wasn't a, a, a course or um, something recognized. And funny how there are no courses for this. Um, <laughs> uh, and maybe that's, that should be my prompt to create one going forward. But um, ultimately, literally just be, went down the Alice in Wonderland hole of looking for information. Um, the things that doctors don't tell you, the things that you can't find readily, um, speaking to others, reading books that were somewhat, you know, on the kind of tipping point of things, um, but really around uh, all those four things that I now have mental, physical, emotional and spiritual. And all four of them were wormholes that I went down. Um, mm -hmm. And it was so interesting, like one would spur me on to another. And before I knew it, I was I was studying and doing more around spirituality, for instance. So my connection with higher self, with with divine consciousness, with the universe, with God, whatever the word is for everybody out there. But we are connected. We're energy. And, you know, I, there was never a time more poignant for me to really, really get this than when my poor father passed away um, 20 years ago now. And it happened very suddenly. Um, he died in his sleep. He was in Spain. He'd left here. had been with us for Christmas. And me and the boys had to get on a flight because they, you know, they bury and funerals are done very quickly in Spain. Mm -hmm. So we didn't have a lot of time to think, but this poignancy around energy and spirituality for me was huge because in Spain, again, it's very normal um, to have the body laid out so that you can go and see the body and you can speak to the person and, you know, just say your goodbyes really um, with the body there. And we turned up at the undertakers where he was being kept and literally seeing my father laid it in a coffin, it was like, wow. I thought I was gonna be super emotionally upset and, you know, just what all about the loss. But actually, I'd had that already and then continued to have that in, in my grief of my loss for him. But mm -hmm. ultimately, what I got in that moment was, oh, my goodness, it's my dad's body, but he's not there. It's like, mm -hmm. and I got this just pure clarity of the essence of who he is has gone. But we know energy can't be destroyed. So there was something really clear for me that he, his body had died without a doubt. <laughs> I'm not, you know, I'm not crazy. Um, but he still lived on. And I, I knew that in my heart. I knew it with every cell in my body. And that really spurred me to discover more about um, what that meant for me and uh, what resonated for me. And it's been a wonderful journey of discovery and um, unpacking more and more of me that has congruently found things from when I was a child, things that I used to be. Um, and this is a really interesting uh, concept of actually really being able to connect not with just your body and your mind and so on, but actually 
the very essence of who you are and, yeah. and getting really comfortable with that and to the point where you can say out loud publicly what I'm going to say, which is I actually love myself. And yeah. it's so hard to get to that place for many people. And believe me, I sit with many that are amazing and will tell you all the things I've told you about how actually on the surface their lives look perfect and they're high performers and they're successful, but they don't love themselves. Yeah. I think that's so important. And thank you for sharing the story with your dad, because it obviously was an incredible spiritual journey to, to, to get to where you are now, which is giving yourself permission to love yourself. And I think sometimes we don't, don't do that. We don't take the time to love ourselves and think about what that love really means for us personally, because it's different different for everybody. I'd love to do a quick interject and, yeah. and continue your journey. Yes. <laughs> I'd, love to, I'd love to go to the fun facts. Go on then. Um, to, to talk about the five pillars of brain health in a fun way. So I'm gonna ask, ask you a couple of questions. So let's pick the first one, feelings, because that was so important to you. What's really the funniest or most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to you? Uh, funniest or most embarrassing? Um, either or, whatever you want to go with. I, 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 I was embarrassed because my, I was on a ski holiday with my uncle, my mum's brother, and he's a crazy man and I love him to pieces, my uncle Alberto or Tito. And he's a great skier and the two of us, I, I, I was quite young, I was probably late teens, I'm guessing. And um, he'd already been, it was in La Plaine in France, and he'd been there for the week prior to me arriving. Um, and he skied the black ones and stuff. He was like a really, really good skier. And of course, I'm fresh into skiing for the, for the following year. I went the year before, but literally one week a year. So you're not, you know, you're not greased into skiing. But on not day, an expert in one week yeah. a year, are you? Yeah, exactly. And I'm, I'm a pretty good skier, um, but I'm not, you know, I would never purport to, it's like day one, let's do all the black slopes today. Um, I like to kind of, I don't know, gear myself up and start to feel confident again that I've got this. Anyway, he decided we were going to go over the other side of the Roche de Mio and down the other side where the, the runs are called things like the kamikaze. I mean, that tells you everything, right? One of them is called the kamikaze. But anyway, when you get to the top and you go over the glacier the other way of the mountain, there are two routes, and he took the one to the left. And basically, we came to this, what I can only call a very narrow precipice that um, literally you could barely stop. Even snow plowing was really hard. We turned the corner you're going fast, you realise it's really narrow and there is yeah. a drop to the right. Wow. Loads of people stood with their skis hanging over the edge, right? So the edge is like this and people are on it with their skis over, ready to take the plunge and, and head over the edge. Um, so you don't want to knock them over. It's like a horrible scene of people bowling, right? You could literally smack into the first one and literally take them all out the like domino effect yeah, it was like literally my heart was beating so fast i thought my chest was going to like explode 
I literally went into a cold sweat. I genuinely could see this playing out of me, me, like literally knocking all these people over and my legs, because adrenaline was pumping now, I was in absolute terror. Flights. Um, my legs were, yeah, exactly. Frozen legs, literally. Um, and nothing I did was slowing me down. Like the legs just weren't doing what I want, wanted them to do. But literally I did get to stop, but it was almost, I, God knows what noise I was making because I was probably like, oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> it certainly was doing that in my head. Um, anyway, I got to stop and I was literally shaking. Like I had the ski poles and I was like this because I could see where we were gonna go and where he had decided it would be fun to ski that day. So I stopped and I had my skis over the edge and literally looking over your skis down, it was it was just a sheer drop. Um, oh my goodness. Literally come off and literally flip your skis sideways to literally try and get some kind of resistance as you're trying to just slow yourself down and not be the human bullet down the mountain. <laughs> so literally i was like i can't do this i can't do this and my uncle's like natasha shut up it's like you you've got this it's like you're fine it's like tasha he's french by the way so instead of natasha it would be tasha you know for god's sake stop <laughs> just keep keep it quiet and just so then he just went he was like literally didn't read my terror, my embarrassment, my shame of like being there and that I was going to die. <laughs> I was literally, I'm going to die and he'll be at the bottom of the mountain. So I have to say that, that well, I have many, but that one really came out as it was embarrassing at the time. It was traumatic at the time. And it is the funniest thing now looking back. And what did you do? I, I, I went, I counted you? in and literally faced death. It was there. And I was like, I, I, I've got to do this. I can't go back. I can't take the skis off. It's that whole thing in skiing. If anybody were trapped, it's like, there's nothing you can do. You either, you, and even taking your skis off, we were so far away from anywhere. Like I could never have walked down. It was, it was yeah. a short like you know several miles of ski run um and i went for it did you survive uh, survive it okay didn't end up with an injury at the bottom or head trauma or anything i think i probably i think uh, it definitely landed another load of trauma that i had to clear out of my body yeah. at that point because i was petrified i'm yeah. petrified but yeah, and this got, is a very common thing, you know, in skiing that people who are expert skiers take very much beginners or not experts on runs that are well above their capability, often on the first day, because they it's almost like, look at me, I'm so good, without taking any cognizance of that other person's ability. Yeah. And, that, and the person is terrified for life. Yeah, maybe damaged for life because they've had a major accident physically and mentally, emotionally. I mean, it finished, it ended up, you know, I got to the bottom and it was like, blimey, I did it, you know, and that was another kind of part of the story of like how something, you know, literally not 
entirely listening to the voice in your head can play out and actually my uncle was right I could do it you know but actually um uh, you know at the time it was it, it was so many emotions playing out all together and then you get to the bottom and you're just you're just relieved actually there was no pride there was no like yeah I did it there was no celebration it was like I you survived it not yeah, did it and yeah. I was just so grateful to not have a broken limb, not being helicoptered off the mountain, yeah. um, all of those things. But funny as well, because I, you know, my uncle is really good company and we had a great <laughs> laugh about it. But well, I'm pleased you can look at back at it with some humour because many people can't. <laughs> you know, in the context of, of doing things like that from a skiing perspective, which is such a dangerous sport. I mean, I do skiing, but it's a dangerous sport from a brain health perspective Absolutely. for all of those reasons. And I should say at this point that <clears throat> me, my family have worn helmets, um, casquette in France um, for years, well before people wore helmets. We were... We were sort of the odd ones out um, for a long time. And then slowly, you know, more and more people were wearing helmets. But you still see now, you'll still see people going skiing with a bobble hat on. Yeah. Holy moly. Um, it actually makes me uncomfortable. I don't want to yeah. ski anywhere near them. It's it, I'm, I'm so aware of the risk they're taking. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's uncomfortable. So I'd love to ask the next question on actions because we talk a lot about your actions. So yes. this is the second pillar, but what's the most rewarding or fulfilling thing you've ever done? It's ongoing. It's my children. Um, without, without a doubt, it is bringing them up, being their mum, just so proud they picked me. Yeah. Um, and... Yeah, and the relationship that we now have, you know, um, the most rewarding thing has been watching them grow and develop as individuals, but as a family unit as well. And their, yeah. their relationship with each other and their ongoing relationship with me. Um, yeah. I'm blessed that, you know, I have a 28 year old and twins of 25 Um and we have really great relationships so I yeah and I love that you brought your kids into that because we talk so much about your work life and that drive or that passion that you had you know in the workplace that was so important but ultimately it boils down to family yeah it's the most important most fulfilling thing without, in your life without a doubt yeah. Um, so yeah. let's dive back to your family then, and and we left off with you. Obviously, you had this spiritual experience from witnessing your dad uh, mm -hmm. in in the coffin, and you went. You were going through this awakening, as as it were, on how to take back control of your brain health and well being. And we touched. You touched briefly on the four pillars of, uh, of four quadrants of well being. What was the biggest needle mover for you? What was the sort of catalyst to take back control for you when you went on that journey? Um, I would say it was ownership, like taking full responsibility, becoming, I would say three words, becoming totally self-aware um, and then taking ownership for where I was 
you know, with no blame, no judgment, just here I am and this can't remain um, like this. Um, And I'm certainly not going to take the post-hypnotic suggestions that it's my age, it's because I'm a woman, um, it will get worse, you know, all of those things. Um, No to all of those, that just didn't feel right. My intuition was kicking in massively. And then the third one is then the responsibility and bringing that responsibility into all your choices every day. Um, It's not, oh, set a plan and then see how often you get a touch point on it when you when it when you feel like it no um this was i need to do something differently in many areas of my lifestyle and my life choices in order to actually like you say reverse the damage but heal the damage and then literally build a new me physically um clear out and deal and manage and respect a lot of emotional trauma and damage there. And um, yeah, I think the biggest one really initially was around food. Um, So Mm -hmm. what I was consuming. And I started to look at, I read loads around different things that really help with hormonal balance. And hormones were where I really kind of focused because Mm -hmm. ultimately they run everything. Um, they are our wonderful um, internal pharmacy. Um, and they, they prescribe and they dose and they microdose sometimes and they do all sorts of things. Well, it's all what energy you have. That's it. So that was my, my main focus was how do I get better hormonal balance um, to deal with the stress damage, my adrenals, um, the symptoms I was having of early menopause um, and just emotional trauma and so on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and actually more as well, the physical changes that were going on in my body. Like I started to put some weight on around the middle, which is a sure sign of, you know, estrogen dominance, for instance. Yeah. It was like, no, I, ah, what is happening to my body? Um, so nutrition. And it started... Um, for those of you that are out there and are going to think, well, what should I do to, um, to change something? It started with one day taking out tea and coffee. And as a result, because I used to drink lattes, so Mm -hmm. I had a lot of milk as a result, I cut out for that day dairy as well. So I thought, Mm -hmm. okay, so no milk, no coffee, no tea. Um, and I did it for a day and I was quite busy and, you know, it sort of set my mind to it. And before I knew it, I did three days because one day was actually quite easy. And then I got a humongous detox headache um, because I hadn't had coffee yeah. for three days. Um, that lasted a whole weekend. It was awful. I, literally. I had this when I, when I was pregnant. Is I came off coffee. I had a headache for a week, pretty much. Yeah, literally. And you just... You, all I dreamt about was being able to remove my head and put it in a nice warm bath or something, something to do, because there was no way, you can't shift it, you, you know, you can't take uh, a, a paracetamol or something, nothing will touch it, because it's not, it's not a headache, it's literally a reaction, yeah, it's, it's detoxing, 
So I did that for that the three days and then didn't have any more, obviously, for another three or four days as the headache. And then I woke up and it had gone. And I was like, oh, my gosh, thank the Lord it's disappeared. And then <laughs> realized, well, that's me off to black tea and coffee then because I'm never going through that again. <laughs> so tea and coffee gone. And I'd also... Did you go off milk as well? Did you cut up dairy? Yeah. Was it a huge inflammatory, which many people miss? You know, it's it's often what the first two or the first thing that you need to remove from your diet if you're having an inflammatory response is to cut out out dairy because of the um, calcium morphines that are developed in your gut, in your stomach, that then go and travel to your brain and start blocking... Uh, your communication channels in your brain and acting as a morphine in your brain absolutely and I highly recommend that I'm still off dairy and we're now by now it must be eight nine years that I've that happened um so literally dairy went I um it was so dairy I stayed off red meat so Mm -hmm. I took out of my diet I actually didn't eat a lot of like steak as such or or um like Sunday roasts and what have you but I did because I have a Spanish upbringing eat a fair bit of um like salami and chorizo and um, serrano ham and we would always have that in the fridge so I literally took that out for a good while and with all of these things as I did them I kind of thought I'm going to do three months I'm going to do the 90 day because I, there's no point saying, oh, I'll be off it for a week and see how I feel. Your body, what I really learned was that your body needs much longer to be able to clear this, really cleanse it out of your yeah. body and for your body. Like you don't crave it. I was really surprised how quickly cravings, if that's really a thing, um, actually wear off. That, that goes fairly quickly. Yeah, actually, your taste buds change in yeah. six days. It's about a six-day turnaround to change your taste buds. So it's not long at all if you're, you know, with the the the, the taste addiction that you might have that's obviously signalling to your brain that you need to have more. Exactly. It's, it's quite quick, as you say. Yeah, it's, it's shockingly quick because... I remember, you know, years ago, again, you know, if you'd asked me the question, I would have said, oh, um, I don't drink, I don't do water. I just drink, you know, I just drink coffee and red wine and gin and tonic. I mean, literally, <laughs> those words would have come out of my mouth 20 years ago. Um, and it's, that's the other thing, the big, big one. Um, I was chronically dehydrated. Wow. Chronically dehydrated. I barely drank water. Yeah, and it's such an important important thing for your brain function because our brain is completely dependent on water. And if we're slightly dehydrated, it has a huge impact on, on our performance. And our health, like, you know, all that stress. I mean, yeah. The dried up body. I mean, Yeah, well, you're basically amplifying the toxins because they, they're not being diluted <laughs> absolutely it's really I with everything I've come to experience and know about my body and and help my nutrition choices you know I, I actually don't know how I'm so grateful that I was kept alive during that period because 
I'm sure I was, you know, I somebody was looking after me for sure. Um, wow. And yeah. it, 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 during that period, did you manage to reverse the uh, menopausal? Yes. So first off, um, menopause symptoms, I lost the bit of extra that I was putting on around my middle. Um, yeah. That changed almost immediately. I would say within wow. the first few weeks, I noticed that. My sleep absolutely uh, started to change, but um, definitely noticed improvements there. But that really changed when I took gluten out. Oh, uh, yeah, which is the second yeah. pro-inflammatory, which has a huge impact on our brain health as well. So gluten was a really big one because it's in virtually everything that you yeah. can eat. So um, I did cold turkey on on uh, gluten and I took myself to Whole Foods in Kensington <laughs> and I filled a trolley with alternative foodstuffs that uh, would allow me to cook meals that I recognise in the yeah. house. Um, but with no gluten, um, it cost me a fortune, that first filling of the cupboards. Um, but ultimately, it meant that I wasn't looking at traditional things that I would have used, choices I would have used around food. Um, and that makes it so much easier because... Yes, it's about swapping yeah. rather than dropping. <laughs> yes, I love it. I love that. <laughs> yes, definitely. So definitely did that. Um, so gluten, caffeine, in well, mainly coffee and black tea. I now drink green tea. I love green tea. Yeah. Um, but and actually caffeine, just for those that are listening, restricts blood flow to the brain. It is, it, you know, it is good for your brain health to a certain degree. The coffee, but the actual caffeine itself uh, is not healthy for our brain in, in large quantities at all because yeah. it, it restricts blood flow and blood flow is the number one uh, imaging predictor of Alzheimer's disease. So we definitely don't want to be creating a toxic looking brain by consuming vast volumes of caffeine. Exactly, exactly. So lots of layers to this, um, but yeah, the nutrition has remained. And as we speak today, I do eat fish and seafood. Um, I don't eat it every single day. Uh, definitely don't have meat at all because I moved to just white meats. Mm -hmm. I, eventually, I introduced some some cheeses back in eventually, um, and they were mainly sheep and uh, goat cheeses. But then after a while of actually being on those as a, an alternative, the swapping out, um, it was like, actually, I'm not going to eat these at all. And I do have um, vegan cheeses. There's an amazing shop uh, that I'm happy to call out here called the Faux Marjorie, and it's in Shoreditch. Um, and they, they literally procure and make the most incredible fake cheese. Yeah. Um, nuts and what have it. And they are amazing. Wow. So, I don't feel like I've lost out on cheese anymore because mm. they, it's caught up. You know, there's people doing amazing things, mm. really creative around um, vegan kind of options. Mm. And do, um, do you know, I want, I, want to, I want to interject, if you don't mind, is I love that, you know, you started your journey uh, when we, we started the conversation, really focusing on 
your physical well-being as an escape mechanism from the emotional mental turmoil and spiritual turmoil you're in from your life circumstances and actually we've come now to your focusing on your physical well-being and the the food the foods that you eat and and the lifestyle that you're adopting to optimize your emotional your mental and your spiritual well-being by really using food as medicine because food is either medicine or food is poison for our our mind and body depending on what we're feeding it and what we need and and you really dialing in on on leveraging the power of food that we don't do enough of um to to help you take that control of your well-being yeah like spot on um spot on on all of that and i would say it's when you do that consistently and that's part of the you know this isn't oh, I do it Monday through Thursday and then the weekend. Binge on the weekend. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, it's a lifestyle choice. It's the long term. And that, you know, that can seem brutal when you're entering into it. But that's why I shared that, you know, the journey started with just taking tea and coffee out for one day. Everybody can do one day with something. And... um, you know that whole point around the cheeses you know i i came off everything just to see how it would improve potentially how i felt and how my body worked and it did um but i felt that i you know the cheese was just one thing too too far so i yeah. brought back in some cheese for a little while but i did sheep's cheese and goat's yeah. cheese which tends to have less antibiotics in it and less steroids and it's actually a2 as well it's a different for a uh, format of of milk of structure of yes. protein um compared to cow's cheese most of the cows uh, cow's milk and stuff in europe is a2 but in the us it can be a1 which is a different configuration which is why they have greater allergies in the us tend to from a milk perspective because the protein configuration is different and we're more sensitive to, to, to it. I'd love to um, know what would, be, because this show is all about brain health and unchaining your pain, what would be your one piece of advice for anybody who is struggling physically with their well-being and they, they've gone to the doctor and they know something isn't quite matching up to what they know intuitively is is wrong what would your one piece of advice be to anyone so number one is it's get in touch with your intuition like literally become much more self-aware sit down with yourself take maybe take even yourself off for a weekend you know book to go somewhere or get yourself out in nature and and just explore the question around what do you really feel about your own body and your own health and does something or anything that others might be telling you not feel right and if it doesn't feel right trust it because we we have an incredible power of cutting through everything and our subconscious just linking with intelligence that we can't even begin to imagine and i i've experienced a lot of that now and you know i meditate i do all sorts of i'm out in nature regularly 
lots of things that I do. Um, but ultimately, get in tune with your body um, and and write down, you know, what what comes to mind around what is maybe not feeling right, and then and then take this podcast, this conversation, take it and translate it into whatever will most spur you on to literally just take ownership of your amazing body because we only get one and um and really take responsibility for what happens from today onwards the choices you can make the the things you can research the changes you can make however small are going to take you in a direction that is going to improve how you feel and how your body works that would be my yeah Great piece of advice. And I think it's so important because intuition, it, it gathers information that we can't necessarily put into words, but it's it's the whole system it, it takes in uh, and tells us that something is off. And it's really important that we do tune into that because it gathers more information than just our vocabulary uh, can articulate. So th thank you so much for sharing that. And also really want to thank you for sharing your journey on discovering the power of food as medicine in, in reversing this you know this the health struggles you were experiencing which I think is such an important topic and we really don't give it enough credence no. um, in, in the well-being world to leverage the power of food mm -hmm. to really help us Natasha how can people get hold of you to to find out more about what you do so, uh, well, we do lots of things, but I'm, I spend a lot of time coaching, as you know, um, lots of fabulous high performers in many different ways. Uh, best place is probably to find us uh, via our LinkedIn business page. Um, I think you'll be sharing our web domain, um, but we are very much the secret weapon for all our clients. So we don't actually have an active website. Um, so don't be surprised if it takes you to stay in touch kind of thing. But I would love to hear from anybody who's interested in, in taking the conversation forward and would like to hear more. Um, so yeah, so they would be the best places. We also have a Facebook page too. So you can find us on Facebook if you're if you're there and not on LinkedIn. Oh, you know, Tasha, thank you for sharing your powerful story and do get in touch um, with Natasha. She is a, a, a force for good, a very knowledgeable uh, individual who just knows so much about so many aspects of brain health and well-being and how to really truly be a high performer over the long term. Natasha, thank you so much for joining me on the show, Brain Health, Unchaining Your Pain. Remember, you are not stuck with the brain you have. You have the power to make it better, and we're here to show you and tell you how. Banjack Studios, we are an all-in-one educational platform for podcasters that revolutionizes how hosts leverage content to increase engagement with listeners, downloads, and income. We come together to focus on community, collaboration, and collective impact. For more information on how you can interact directly with our hosts, access exclusive live content with offers you can't get anywhere else from our official partners, join our purpose-driven community by visiting www.winject.com. If you're ready to build a career doing what you love, then we're ready to see you there.